0: You're listening to... Whoa! Potluck.
1: Potluck. And you're listening to The Clubcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective. to episode 135, 136
0: One, three, six.
1: of the collab cast. Um, it is Monday, August the, September, it's September now, September the 4th, 2017. Welcome to the Dog Days of Summer, a.k.a. California Indian Summer, a.k.a. The Hills are on Fire here in Los Angeles, California. My name is Marvin Yeh.
0: I'm Mindy Chang.
1: And we are your hosts for this weekly look at Asian American pop culture
0: I thought you hate starting and with all weather. the
1: weather. It's all I can think about this weekend, man. It's it was literally like 109 degrees where I was this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty you. bad. You well, went to the, the Joshua Tree, the desert.
0: It was actually cooler there than here.
1: That sucks. It's not only hot; it's also humid, which is the worst kind of heat.
0: It's. I personally don't think is that humid. I mean, you you've, you've gone you lived in DC. I feel like that's like. And I
1: got out of there because no humidity offense, but sucks. Like the
0: butthole of America.
1: <laughs> I know. And even then, I didn't like humidity. So. I know.
0: I don't feel like it's that humid though. It's dry. That the, the, isn't that why there's all the Tell fires? Tell that to
1: my sticky ass skin right now, <laughs> and all the sweat.
0: We're, we're he's so miserable. Poor Marv is miserable. I deal with heat a lot better than Marv. I I, I get whiny after. It's like under seventy degrees. Mm.
1: Well, also we're recording in our in our office, which um, I guess because it's the holiday today, the office manager decided not to turn on the AC, so the entire building is a sauna. It's, it's not that bad. Anyways, how are you doing? Are you surviving? Because there's a fire near where you're living right now.
0: Very close to where I'm living, yeah. But is it? I think that it's out at this point. But um, I did a one day trip to Joshua Tree, out to the desert. My mom literally called me, telling me not to go. She was worried. But we went, and the weather was fine. It was actually cooler. Um, it was when I was driving through like San Bernardino, San Bernardino, like Riverside area. That's where it was the hottest. It was like 114 mm. degrees. And but then you got to Joshua Tree, and it was the, there's a lot of like wind and breeze, so mm-hmm. it didn't feel that bad. Got back, uh, it was one day trip. Got back into Burbank, and as we got back into Burbank, we're like, "There's why is it so smoggy today?" We didn't know why. <laughs> as we're uh, as we're heading west, and then we roll into the hills, and like uh, there are multiple fires in the mountains right now, and it was yeah. re- it was, I felt like I could like reach out and touch it. It was really scary.
1: So as we're dealing with. The heat and the fire. Um, Our friends in Houston are dealing with floods. Exactly. And displacement. And this whole world is just... I think they're trying to tell us something. I don't know what it could tell us. The
0: earth is crying.
1: Uh, But shout out to our friends out in Houston, especially our team at Collaboration Houston. We hope you all are doing well and staying safe and dry. And um, again, if you guys want to help out, our team at Collaboration Houston actually put together a Google Doc for coordinating... um, Resources and equipment and manpower uh, f- for people within the collaboration Asian American community. So, check out their Facebook page and Twitter for the uh, links to the Google Doc. Check it out.
0: Great job, team. So proud of you.
1: Um, but with that weather talk aside, <laughs> um, let's get to our. So, as you can hear, it's only Minjing and myself today. We don't have a guest uh, because it's the holiday and everyone's on vacation. So we decided to uh, just record by ourselves. It's going to be... On um, our day off. <laughs> yeah, on our day off. Quote, unquote. We never have a day off.
0: Hashtag um, no days
1: off. What was it? say? I was going to say, let's reach into our mailbag and check out our emails, but we don't have any emails, which makes me sad. For the next time we do something like this, please send us emails so we can read them and answer them and talk to you. And um, we'd love to engage. Hashtag engage, um, subscribe, like <laughs> with our fans. Um,
0: you know what's funny? Like, people always tell us verbally. You know, they, I we, I love hearing that to our faces, but also I'm going to start prompting them. I was like, can you take this compliment and also write yeah. it in an email? <laughs> so podcast at collaboration.org
1: is where you can reach us. That email again is podcast at collaboration.org and it's collaboration with a K. Um, but Let's just. Uh, I think this is just going to be one long ass roundtable segment where we catch t- up time, catch up on all the things that uh, have been going on in the world. Um, so let's start with you. What's on your mind, Minchie?
0: What is on my mind? beside well, the main thing in pop culture right now. I don't even want to talk about her because I feel like she gets so much airtime. This is not Asian American related, but this is pop culture related. I'm not a fan of the Taylor Swift song.
1: Oh, by the way, the old Marvin is dead. Wait, that's not how it goes. Um, (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. I'm going to punch in your face. Stop. The old
1: Marvin can't come to the mic right now. Stop. Because he's dead.
0: I literally, I need to vent about it. But I also don't want to give her any airtime. I just don't like the song.
1: It's not a good song. And I've heard people defend it. But, I mean, so here is, because I've been reading a lot of hot takes. And I don't even think it's catchy.
0: I think it's catchy. It's I not think, like
1: shake it off levels of catchiness. You're not going to have SNL S&O skits about how people are like inadvertently loving the song.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that, know? yeah, but um, that was that's a very high, you know, that's a high bar. She <laughs> raised the bar for her own self, but it's a catchy song. But it just annoys me because you are an adult, or you're supposed to be at this age. It sounds like it sounds like I I felt I I had this moment of reflection because my dad when I was five. He broke my MC Hammer tape. Oh, and, like, no. Traumatized me. He was not a – he's a yeah, – my dad's – you, you had
1: an MC Hammer tape.
0: Yeah. Hello. Um. Yeah, it's Hammer time. And my brother and I listened to it. I was like four, five. I was really, really young. And then my brother – you know, we're, we're elementary school babies. And my dad is a conservative, military, Christian, Korean man. Not too happy having his two young children listening to rap in the '90s, early '90s. So he proceeded to be very, very dramatic, and he broke our tape. And like he, and said, he
1: said, "Look what you made me do! Look what you made me do!" See, my uh, father doesn't uh, do that. Uh, 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 He's uh. like,
0: "You are not allowed to listen to this and that's that." This is what I'm saying. But like, I I just remember that because I had that feeling. I was like, I don't even have children, but if I had children, I'd break this tape. <laughs> like, I just feel like it's the worst self-pitying victim like self-victimizing just childish
1: (laughs) so i mean the hot takes that i've been because i've been reading a lot of hot takes about this stuff because it's you know in this world of what's going on in politics and in weather like you kind of need you know little distractions and this was the distraction last week was just a big deal that they made this about robbing I it. Li-
0: I don't like, <laughs> I don't like to, anyway. <laughs> and then
1: the biggest hot take I heard was because, um, I mean, Taylor Swift is a big pop culture icon, but she's been really silent the last few months. right? And she hasn't you'd made hope any... that that
0: was a, a moment of reflection on <laughs> how to proceed as an adult.
1: And th- here's the thing. All the faults you have with Taylor Swift would be, like, if she had pulled out an actual banger, n- no one would care. People would, no. people would be like, oh, but it's a good. It's it has a good beat. It's a good song. A good song is enough to overcome like all the all the negativeness of Taylor Not Swift. All but of what, it. what I heard was the take was because the song isn't a banger, it's actually making all the other stuff worse because then that's what people focus on. Not how like oh, but the song is good. It's the song sucks, and she kind of also is kind of sucky.
0: No, well, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. But main focus. I'm a big lyric person, and also like. People who who prosper based off of like making crap. I'm not a big fan of that. She has some catchy stuff. Again, I listen to her stuff and I've danced along to it. I know a lot of the words, but this song, it's like offensive to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the honest truth because I'm just like, what? Are, are you five? Did someone take your candy? So, like, what
1: about, let's dig deep into your hot take. What about it bothers you so much?
0: Her as a, Her character. Like mm. you're whining and you, that all, literally the name of the song. Look what you made me do. No one made you do shit, my dear. You're an adult. Like you own your actions. If you're angry at somebody and you feel vengeful or whatever, like then I, do that. But like, don't blame it on the other person. Like you made me do this. I hate that. I've just, I've been around enough people who like, oh, I'm an awful person, but you, it's your fault. No, it's not. Like everyone deals with terrible people. Everyone deals with terrible situations. And I'm just like the fact that she influences so many young people and so many young girls, especially that there she has like this whole this whole legion of followers. It makes me just kind of grossed out. And again, it would be kind of forgivable if if she was younger or whatever. If she was actually it's, it's just such a petulant song. I just I feel really old but I think that, I mean, but I'm not saying this is like a matter of generation. I think there are a lot of younger people who are like, this song is stupid and terrible. So I'm not even saying that. But I feel old, like, what are these children making? And then I realize she's not a child.
1: <laughs> what did you think about her music video?
0: Didn't watch it because I do not want to add a view to it. It's already at like $170 okay. trillion.
1: Um, do you, do you, did you hear about what I saw the, the stills and I was like, the... so
0: she is trying to be Beyonce?
1: No, it's beyond that. Um, I didn't d- see it. Is that... Did you, so, the point of the music video was a lot of scenes where she's kind of like, oh, this is what you portray me as. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, you know, I'm this problematic person and like kind of throwing it back at your face. Like, like in essence, I think she's trying to embrace the negative press that she's been getting. But like, there's a lot of different scenes, not just the Beyonce scene, but a lot of different scenes where she's kind of um, taking what the, what it's. she's trying to show that she's self aware of all the negative stuff. Okay. But like. In a sense, not adding much to it. There's not. There's not a lot of nuance. It's more just like, oh, I know you call me this, and I don't. I, and I don't care. It's Brandon, kind of what she's.
0: Okay, just to yeah. So I'm taking it for what it is. When I heard it, and I was like, this is very petulant. It's very whiny. It doesn't. <laughs> if, if there was something clever in there that she was trying to say, I didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So that's that's just my take. Um. I just. She's uh, that's that's a whole other thing that we could talk about for a jillion different reasons. Like yeah. we work with a lot of different artists, but the whole concept of fame, there's a lot that uh, comes with it. It's a loaded way to live and in the like, celebrity. Yeah.
1: And Taylor Swift on on her own already came with a lot of baggage. You have the whole like always writing songs about exes which is like not a bad thing like a lot of people do it but like i call still it that. doing it um also who just the cares whole, like, i don't care whole, no keep
0: talking about your exes because well, we, we all have things to say about that i don't care. it's just her take on like she's the victim
1: yeah the, the whole um like a lot, i know i know a lot of people give her like crap about or a, a lot of people have misgivings about her you know taking up the um the Mantle of feminism, but not really like,
0: yeah, like there's there's problematic things. I personally don't have any issue with her writing songs about her exes. Every, every artist under the sun has written about their exes. Maybe it's just not as obvious because they didn't live in the age of celebrity where we are stalking people constantly via Twitter and Instagram. I have no problem with that. I think that it is unfair that she gets called out for that when everybody under every artist under the sun have they done gone and made a movie or written a song about their exes mm. and we're we're trying to make her like the ba- I think that's ridiculous. So to a degree, I'm not saying she's not justified to feel some kind of like <laughs> I just don't. It, it do, to me, it doesn't reflect a lot of like maturity. There's a way she could have been clever about it too. She's she's had like really good songs. So anyway, it's just bothering me because it's it's so. Ugh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's kind of a bummer because everyone was excited about a new Taylor Swift jam because at the very least we have a good club manger. Um, <laughs> the club. But then Taylor
0: Swift at the club. I don't go to that club. But they play it at Booty LA, so...
1: And then, I guess some people were also hoping that we get a sense of where she stands on politics.
0: Well, there's a threshold. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a sucky... It's a double-edged sword of, like, being somebody so iconic and so, like, everybody's eyes are watching you. You kind of implicitly take on this mantle of, like, well, what do you think about XYZ? Hmm. And she doesn't have to come... I don't know. Like, I get homegirl gets enough leeway you know what I mean like mm-hmm. there are enough people who are very sympathetic with her I have been and I'm just like not a fan of this song is what I'm saying I don't think she's the worst person on the planet but for somebody who has so many for someone who who uh, who attempts to assert such a self-awareness like this if that's if that's her her final you know self-awareness song I just I'm disappointed and yeah if I was a mom I'd be like don't listen to this garbage
1: <laughs> that's how I would feel yeah, missed Opportunity for capturing the song in the summer. She had a good shot, but yeah, it's not its not a very good song.
0: This is why I didn't want to even bring it up, because I'm like, this is not even, in my opinion, not worth talking yeah. about so extensively.
1: I mean, it's an interesting conversation if you take into consideration also the whole like perception and personality and persona of Taylor Swift.
0: But that's, again, okay, she's like, that is the mantle she has taken on, you know, like,
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe voluntarily, maybe involuntarily, maybe she's just like, it's like, I don't know. The whole fame thing, I think we're just, we're experiencing the celebrity culture in like a brand. It's always just kind of this horrible blob, this fascinating, weird, strange blob that... I don't know. I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. The whole thing with the Kim Kardashian thing, which I learned more detail about because of this song, because my little cousins, who I love, um, were trying to explain everything to me. And this is on the way to Josh. Please, Treanor. can you explain
1: it to me? I Explain it for our audience
0: members. There was something know. where they have like a lawsuit because Kim Kardashian recorded a phone conversation that she had with Taylor Swift, where they are basically plotting... Some like stunt Something where they're like All in on it But like they're gonna Outwardly Get everybody up in a In a hoopla about something So
1: this was about Kanye The Kanye West lyric About how he made her famous mm-hmm. And how she went on the Grammys And like Put him on blasters About like On blasters Yeah like pretty much like Put him on blasters him out yeah. Like put him on blasters That you know like Put him on blast No one put People say Kids say blasters now
0: I've never heard that
1: Well you're not cool like me um and basically yeah this was like what two two years ago i want to say like this is a while ago yeah but anyways one of apparently that was one of the things that kanye made her do was make this song yeah (laughs) um okay (laughs) any other any other hot takes on the taylor swift song
0: no i'm done with it i don't ever want to talk about it again
1: (laughs) okay um I guess on my mind, something that we mentioned last week and then lo and behold, before the weekend was up, things changed, was the um, Ed Screen taking on the role of Ben Daimio for Hellboy. And then over the weekend before our our last episode came out, he stepped down from the role. He decided that, um, he wrote this big long thing about how um, as a mixed race person himself, he didn't feel comfortable uh, with, like, he didn't realize that this, this role was written as Japanese American and that it like pretty much said it um, it's not right for me to take this, so I'm stepping off from this role, and he became the new king of Asian American Twitter. or like, <laughs> still now, I think people are still like lauding him.
0: Well, I I applaud him. Mm. There are people that there there are different. I mean, vast majority of reactions were that everyone was really happy and very shocked, and yeah. like, oh my god, someone <laughs> did the right thing. And then other people were like, well, we shouldn't applaud him for doing the right thing. That's what he should do. Well, I mean, we should applaud him, but we shouldn't. I, I,
1: I, okay, so there's a difference between acknowledging that he, he did the right thing and like making him like mayor of Asiatown, right?
0: Well, that's what's <laughs> going to naturally happen when anything gets enough attention. So yeah. it's relax, guys. It's okay.
1: It's um. Yes. I just
0: think that it's a great moment. It's a milestone. It's saying that like, oh, people like the the um, relevancy, the urgency, the you know, this ridiculousness of it all has really we've reached a, it's a really good point in my opinion where like finally people, it's so duh that people are really acting upon it. People that would gain a lot of uh, financial gain and you know, that's a good role to put on any actor's resume Mm -hmm. and he opted out. And I think that's a really admirable thing. And I'm like for a lot of, I mean people will question that with Asian actors all the time. Like, Oh, if you got a role that, um, that made you use an accent or whatever, would you take it? Mm -hmm. and it's, it's different, you know, like people have different, there are different levels in their career and there are people who wouldn't quote unquote be able to opt out of that. They would, you know, take it and try to somehow work with it to advance the movement forward, you know, to, to advance diversity and to talk. And I've, I've had to do that on my very, very smaller level. You know what I mean? With things that are never going to be seen on like a huge public platform. But, um, I don't know. I respect him because there's probably a big paycheck and there's his whole team and all his agents and managers who are probably really pissed about that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a bold move. So, yay.
1: <laughs> Good for him. Um, there was also a uh, a smaller hubbub, not a huge hubbub, but um, IndieWire published an article, and I don't, I don't know if you saw this, um, listing the actors who could play Ben Daimyo now that Ed Screen had stepped down mm-hmm. and they were all Japanese Japanese actors, <laughs> and Yam um, Yam F um, posted a tweet, tweet saying that um, apparently IndieWire doesn't know the difference between Japanese American and Japanese actors.
0: Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean just eye roll.
1: And then there was <laughs> there, and then because the internet is a weird and awful and wonderful place, um, there was a backlash to that backlash. Like certain people never read the comments, but I couldn't resist How'd that um, go? we're putting Yamam mf on blast um that can't you just take a win and it doesn't matter like as an asian-american like as long as it's asian i don't care and i mean there's one thing to say that like take the wins where you can but another thing is like to me if we're gonna go down this route of authenticity and casting why not try going on the way you know why not try is keeping the character it as,
0: a japanese-american yeah yeah
1: Japanese American in the US Marines
0: god I mean (laughs) okay if the character is Japanese American who knew there might be who knows there might be a Japanese American actor that we know like yeah 30 of them
1: yeah, but
0: <laughs> but it's, business it's, and global audience. I feel like I'm so um, tired right now. I just feel like worn out right now. <laughs> I think at the end of the day it's a win and it's an ongoing conversation. So, I honestly I get why people are responding that way. I get why people are going to be like, "You guys, this was like a win, just leave it alone." But <laughs> at the same time, for people who there has to be somebody who is, you know, it's sometimes it sucks to be the person to like, "Yeah, this is a win, but" because
1: it could be a complete like it can be a bigger win or it can be um like so
0: well i'm saying that because at the end of the day i do want a japanese american actor to play a japanese character japanese american character Mm -hmm. that's just like why not like let's maybe in the next remix version that they're gonna do because every superhero movie we know has to have like 30 versions of it maybe you can play with it there but like why don't we just try to stay true to the story for the first round I
1: don't know. It's a bold new world you dream of, Minji.
0: I know. I'm very, very... (laughs) I dream big, guys.
1: (laughs) Um, And on that note, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about more roundtable stuff. Mm ¶¶ It's Marvin here. Um, thanks again for listening. Hope you guys are all staying cool while listening to this episode of the Collabcast. Um, the Collabcast, of course, is a part of the Collaboration Movement. Collaboration is a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, developing, connecting, and showcasing the creative talents of the Asian American community. You can learn more about Collaboration by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. That's also where you can find past episodes of the Collabcast, including the latest Collabcast Presents, which was a special episode episode of the Cloudcast released last Friday, where we brought you special coverage of the San Diego Comic-Con uh, from an Asian-American perspective. The Cloudcast is also a part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian-American community. If you like the collabcast, you can find other great podcasts hosted by Asian Americans by going to the website at podcastpotluck.com. Each week, I'd like to highlight a different show from The Collective. And this week, I want to give a quick shout out to the Korean Drama Podcast. The Korean Drama Podcast is a rewatch podcast hosted by Will Choi, the host and creator of the UCB variety show Asian AF, as well as Phil Yu of Angry Asian My Theme and his wife, Joanna. Each week, they sit down and discuss an episode from the seminal Korean drama series, Boys Over Flowers. As of this week, they're already more than halfway through. And they've definitely had some ups and downs with the series, but it's always a lot of fun listening to these guys talk about Korean dramas, especially because they don't really watch Korean dramas. Um, you can find the Korean drama podcast and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective, again, by going to the website, podcastpotluck.com. And on that note, um, let's get you back to the show. Thanks again for listening. And welcome back to the CollabCast. It's episode 136. This is our extended roundtable with Marvin and Minji.
0: We're a little cranky today because of the heat, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what else is on your mind, Minji?
0: <sighs> um, one thing that's on my mind is I was really, really happy um, last week that my mom's... Uh, I have a separate podcast, as Marvin has shared before and is helping me produce, but... The episode seven, which was the episode that I actually got my mom to agree to be on my podcast, that reached the number one spot in terms of, like, numbers of downloads since release date. And I was just really excited about that for a number of reasons. I mean, I just – I feel like I was a little scared to, like, bring her on because she was so nervous about sharing – like, just talking on air – but also, it just made me really happy because I had a gut feeling that, you know, we don't share a lot of our immigrant parents' stories, and the fact that she did for, you know, 30 minutes, and that it was it was getting all these responses, and people were tweeting me about it, or, like, people commenting about it, that made me really happy. It That's did.
1: awesome. You got comments about it?
0: Yeah, like, people commented on my Facebook post that I shared, and people, like, strangers tweeted me about it. A couple of different people that I didn't know mm-hmm. shared the link, and, like... I don't know. It just kind of reinforced my gut feeling that I was like, you know, I think people have a lot of interest in knowing how people have experienced America. Yeah. That's basically it. I just wanted to like share her story of like what it was like when she came to America from Korea in 1980 and then how she, what her views on racism are, like her experiences.
1: So this is your uh, other podcast, first of all. My which podcast is first coming all, up on its um, seventh week. Eighth Our week. Eighth week? Okay. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about that podcast, you can um, check it out. It's um, part of the Potluck Collective. Um, you can also go to firstofallpod. Simplecast.fm for the website, or follow it on, I guess, Twitter and Facebook.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, thank you for plugging it. I just wanted to mention that episode because um, one of the tweets that I got was somebody saying that like I really need to ask my parents about where they how they. Felt about coming over to America and everything like that. And that just made, me, again, that's like one of the most nearest and dearest subjects and makes me cry all the time because, you know, life, life goes fast and we, we don't, we need to like write these stories down and document them. Yeah. So even for my personal life, I'm glad that I had it.
1: Um,
0: oh, another thing that's on my mind is my, again, I went to Joshua Tree with my cousins and both of them grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. And the older one visited California. They visited. Uh, she visited because of my brother's wedding, and then she came down to LA with us from that weekend onward. So she's with us for almost two weeks, mm-hmm. and she was expe- she was experiencing LA for the first time, which is always really fun and cool. To that's the best part of having so many visitors. You get to kind of experience LA through their eyes because they're so curious about all the novelty and like all the unique things that make us LA, and it kind of makes you reappreciate it. But yeah, she was she was just kind of recounting her experience about growing up in the South, and now she just passed the bar exam. So congratulations to my baby cousin! She's now a lawyer, and she's going to be working in Charlotte, North Carolina. So she was just marveling the whole trip about like all the good Asian food. It took her to dim sum, like the, her first legit dim sum place. Took her to Thai food. Went to Korean barbecue, all that stuff, and she was just so. Happy and feeling so spoiled, but also just marveling at the fact that there's so many Asian people walking around in L.A.
1: Yeah. Did she talk about um, growing up in the South?
0: Yeah. She was just mentioning, like, you know, everywhere they went, they were the only Asian family. They did go to a church that was their one, like, community where there were other Korean Americans. But besides that, you know, in school and just growing up her whole life, she was always used to being the singular, Mm. like, very, very small population of Asian Americans in Alabama. Or Birmingham. And she went to school in Tuscaloosa. So I'm just learning a lot about the South. Yeah. Her accent is adorable.
1: What's, uh, what have you learned? Like what, what, what's the, so it's always interesting. Um, I, I lived a couple of years in Maryland, which is technically South of the Mason Dixon, but still very much like a Yankee part of the country. <laughs> um, and North Virginia, I mean, it's part of the South, but one could argue, mm-hmm. um, But it's always interesting to um, see because there's a lot of, like, there are a lot of Asians in the South, like, not just Texas, but like you said, in Alabama, a lot of, a lot in, a lot of them, a lot in North Carolina, a lot in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. Um, I mean,
0: well, we had an interesting conversation about it got about not necessarily politics, but just about diversity and, um, the labels that we use like conservatives and liberals and, you know, she was giving her perspective because she's a woman of color. She's a millennial and she's very outspoken. She's a feminist. She's very strong and very opinionated and I love her. Um, but also, as you know, she's from the South and she's surrounded by a lot of p- people with different opinions than her mm-hmm. and, um, just kind of like, I-, I can't imagine like what it's like to be of that mindset, um. I wish she was here to speak for herself. I don't really want to like put words in her mouth, but we had a really interesting conversation about how liberals can appear to conservative people and then the mis... We were having a dialogue because I was saying the misfirings or the miscommunications or the misinterpretations on both sides. Right. Because... I mean, I grew up with really conservative Asian parents. And my dad, he voted for George Bush back in the day and Mm -hmm. later told me that he regretted it. But, like, you know, I don't know. We're always learning. And I was just really fascinated to hear her her point of view. There's a lot
1: of ways you can talk about, like, liberalism, like liberals and conservatives. Like, people are always on a spectrum when it comes to these things. For some people, like, your political affiliation is based on economics. Other people on social issues. Other people on just, like... Um traditions and things like that right, right. like in in the general scheme of things um what one person c- considers conservative may be liberal to another person right Maybe, exactly like
0: that's what she was know. saying, like well you know if there was actual conversation between people who are really starkly different or think that they are, they might find places that they really overlap because if you put those labels on that, it's automatically putting you into two separate buckets where you have nothing in common. Right. And, you know, that's a huge thing. Like there there are people who are certainly racist and have prejudices and all these things. But there's also a lot of people who just have never met somebody different than themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's a problem that we we continue. She was just saying it's frustrating because you know that there are good people on both sides, and that people on both sides are never going to see that or experience as long as we're like being really stubborn or like exclu- exclusive, yeah, in a way. And so it was really challenging for me because you know growing up in California, I've grown up with a certain mindset, and knowing that even my family, who is Korean American, but like grew up in the South and um, haven't been able to travel around the country and the world, et cetera. You know, we all have really different perspectives, but that's why she and I also then led to like the power of media, like how much she loves shows like Fresh Off the Boat and like things like that. For her, are so meaningful because that's her point of reference, and she knows that other people like it or watch it. It means a lot. Some in a lot of ways, I felt like it meant more to her than me because I grew up with it. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: It sounds like what you're what you're explaining is that you know the solution to kind of a more harmonious interaction or a harmonious society in particular American society is this expansion of like this multicultural understanding right this understanding that you may have not met an Asian American or a Latino American or a ex-American but you know they exist you know they have needs they're real people because of media you've consumed or because of um, yeah because of media that you've watched or seen or listened to Um, and for a lot of people, it sounds like that minimum amount of exposure is what does wonders in terms of expanding your worldview right. understanding that' at least in this country that's something that can exist right and i think I feel like from my perspective like the a lot of the like quote unquote all right and the backlash against globalism multiculturalism is a backlash against this idea that we, we should all be separate, right? right? right. Um, because, yeah, if you, if, you, if you take a look at what people need and what people want, we all kind of want the same things. We want to be able to live, our free, live, live a free life um, without worry of poverty or danger or death or, like, persecution. persecution, right? And that's something that both sides, I think, at its core is going for. Right. Different in different ideologies Right, one side believes more in states rights and individual liberties. One side believes in more like that government has a role in in providing in filling gaps.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? though, the, for me, my perspective. And like, again, this has kind of helped been formulated by a TV show because Parks and Rec is one of my favorite shows on the planet. But it's like I don't think the vast majority of people out there. Care about actual politics, which is the, what you said—state versus federal, all that stuff. It right now it feels like it's a very social. Yeah, it's 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 a much more social issue. That's why they call it, like
1: culture wars because it's not right. re- it's not
0: it's not about it's policies. not
1: about policies. It's not about like, yeah like, like what
0: they don't care about what, how they're getting what will taxed.
1: benefit us. It's more like well, you guys well obviously like yeah like it's like well there are sides.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're on one side, you're on the other. Right. 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 And,
0: and, and that's the thing, like, I'm learning through a lot of different th- – I've been honestly really overwhelmed these last few weeks with a lot of things happening in my life, including, you know, passing of a dear f- friend and my brother having his wedding, his multicultural wedding, which was Korean and Chinese, and, and everything that's happening out in the world and um, just – in my life and I'm like growing, becoming an adult every day a little bit more. It's just freaking me out a little bit, but it's been kind of overwhelming. You know what I mean? And when you take a step back and that's maybe what we're trying to do is trying to take a break this Labor Day weekend and take a breather for one second and just like appreciate what we have. Um, I've been doing a lot of reflecting of like, what has been making me so mad or like what's been making me so stressed out. And it's a lot of this stuff, like whether or not I'm engaging per se Cause there's stuff that I'm literally like I can't handle this, I can't. I don't have the energy or the brain space. I'm trying to help my brother with his wedding. Okay, like I just need to get through that, and that's all I got. But at the same time, like you can't. You're living in this world, and then everyone else around you, it, it, all that energy, like you know, yeah, it's interchanged. It's, it, it's exchanged all the time when you go into a grocery store, where you're at a restaurant or whatever. It's a state of the world right now, and I just, I don't know. I'm I'm talking this very like philosophically because. It affects. It it plays out in very concrete ways in our lives, right? It like this is the hostility that we're gonna feel in public places, or fear that we feel, or it's gonna be the things that fill up our newsfeed. It just stresses us out one more thing than we than we need to. And like for me, my thing always goes like, so then what what are we doing to like try to solve this? Like, what is the solution? And as uncomfortable as it is, sometimes it's like having like really awkward ass conversations with people that maybe you in theory fundamentally don't like or agree with, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting like off into hippie land, but that's that's what's on my mind right now because you can't the, the like we can sit and talk about Taylor Swift for half an hour or we can talk about bigger things, but they all to me are connected.
1: It's and I don't know what the solution is, too. Is it talking about it? Part of it is, but I feel like at some point there's the youth is definitely I feel like I have much more confidence in our generation as much as people hate millennials Mm -hmm. i feel like when we when we have the reins we're gonna like it's our it's gonna be our job to like kind of fix all the damage right right because the young people i've talked to have been at the very least less likely to believe that like we're stronger separate than together
0: i agree i agree so that's what i'm saying i've been always you know ultimately more defensive of millennials as much as like we acknowledge faults or flaws yeah. um, because there is a, a vein of entitlement and whatnot. But there's also a vein of idealism that I think is really people – will, people will label things differently according to what their where their uh, current stance is. And like – I agree with you. I'm put and it's not even just like I I put my faith and my hope in in our generation and younger. I think honestly Gen Z like they've been pl- applauded maybe prematurely but like early on they're being kind of lauded as the future, right? Like right. They, they don't have the same issues that we do, whatever. But in any case, I think, you know, it's time to like take responsibility. That's like, this is my issue going, circling back to the Taylor Swift thing. Take take responsibility for what you do or what you don't do and leave it at that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like we can't, I cannot control what politicians are doing or whatever. I can control what I do though. Like, and I'm not saying everything I do is right, but I want to at least try yeah. Um. And I, I, I admire other people. Like I really, really look up to people for better or worse, whether they like win or they fail. If they're out there trying to make things happen for ideally the betterment of humanity, I applaud that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't go far to say you can't control what the politicians do because you can.
0: Yeah. You know, by you doing something.
1: You doing something. by you your name, letter, your, or yeah, call them. Making your voice heard voting and getting people to vote. Yeah. Which is a huge thing, especially within the millennial generation. Like, we're, you know...
0: Especially when the Asian American yeah. millennial generation. I'm just still so disappointed. I get it. I really get it. I get, like, how, how purposeless it feels or, like, what's the point even, et cetera. But come on, man. Like, yeah. if a fraction of the people who didn't vote had voted...
1: I mean, part of it is just, like, it's not a virtue if I'm using the right word, that's been instilled in us since birth, right? Like, say we had parents who have are, like, gung-ho voters and, like, voting is a very, very important thing. We grew up thinking, oh, voting is really important. But our parents, like, I don't know, my parents didn't really think voting was that important. I don't know about your parents.
0: I think they did, but they never told us. <laughs> Again, they voted. They yeah. voted every election, but mm-hmm. I didn't know. They never, it was not a point of conversation. Yeah. So I'm saying, we have all of our different um, challenges of, like, why there's... Apathy yeah. or like less education, like I really think that that's a big deal. So I'm not like necessarily saying like oh all of us Asian American millennials suck. I'm just saying like the numbers, the data shows that there is a significant difference in our in, in engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I see honestly, I'm just gonna call it out. I see it at our even like at shows and like this is our stereotype. These stereotypes exist for a reason, y'all, and that's what just drives me nuts because we're out here. In an uproar saying that like, you're wrong. And I was like, are they? Because I see, like, the people that we know that are loud, they're hella loud, and I love them. But on the grand scheme, do we see a lot of Asian Americans that are, like, outspoken about XYZ? And again, valid reasons why. It's not that I'm one myself, and I've always been scared to speak out on certain things because I don't feel like I have the place or that I'm not educated enough on something. I don't want to deal with backlash, etc. There are valid reasons why, but the fact of the matter is that it's still an issue, right? Well, in my opinion. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, how do you think that stereotype holds up? I mean, about being quiet and wallflowery.
1: I feel like there comes a point where you break out of it. A mm. lot of us that comes in like our late twenties and thirties. Some of us comes earlier. I know a lot of really really loud people come um, back <laughs> in the day, but a lot of it comes from the confidence you have within your identity. The, the confidence you have that you have something to say or you have something to accomplish. And I feel like we're getting in there. I mean, yes, look at sure. look at the performance of Gook over this past the second weekend when i went national it got extended it was only supposed to play for one weekend now it's like two more weekends because theaters have decided well we can we can make money money off of these asian americans
0: first right (laughs) um people be showing up that makes me happy that that's something that gives me a lot of hope and like and yeah
1: that's a combination that's a combination of two things one is people showing up Mm -hmm. and giving that initial boost to like to get to perk up Ears perk ears. I don't know what the term is, <laughs> but like to to have people take notes. Oh, people are sh- like we're selling out these theaters, and then two is it's a well reviewed it's a well reviewed film. Mm-hmm. So like a show up, b make good shit, and yeah. that is maybe they go not hand in hand, yeah though. they go hand in hand. And with those two things, then like we're much more likely to see bigger success, right? right? Because of these two things, Justin Chong now has something he can take to theaters, to movie th- companies to say, I now have a track record. Right. And that's how, no, that's how Justin Lin did it. That's how, um, I mean, we'll see how John Chu does with <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians, but, you know, track record these days are huge because it's harder and harder to make mo- money
0: from movies. Where you at, my women. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. And so, it, what you're saying in terms of movie performance and engagement and ticket sales and whatnot, it's synonymous to leveraging your voice, right? Whether yeah. it's through your ticket purchase or sh- and and showing up and shouting it out on social media. There's like such a buffet. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. There's like a buffet of options of the way that you want to engage and speak out. I personally get really happy when I see Asian-Americans be literally actually loud because we we do live shows, you know, and I've gone to a lot of different artist shows, not just collaboration events, but, you know, I support our friends who are artists. I go to their concerts. I go to the open mic nights. And there is a significant volume deficiency. I want to tell you, I want to tell you guys as an artist, so saying uh, theoretically, if I was a stand-up comedian or somebody that needs audience engagement, and I host, so I know what that feels like. I'm on stage all the time. There is a difference in... Energy, when somebody, when your crowd is hype, when they're loud, when they shout for you, when they laugh with you, when they react versus when it's dead silent. This is not like some like crazy science. It's just, that's what it is. The energy... Begets energy, yeah, right. So that's why I'm just putting that out there because I see that it's changing. And that makes me so 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 happy. And generationally, the younger generation they they be coming out in numbers and with loudness that I just did not witness in generations above mine and it, even in mine growing up. So yeah. that makes me really happy.
1: Um, yeah, I guess. Um, one last thing, um, on my mind was the resurgence of the Chloe Bennett story. Have you been seeing these yeah. posts come up and down? Yeah, which I'm used to say, like. You know, it's part of that, like, you got to do what you got to do. But she's never, like, Chloe Bennett shows up for the community. I love her.
0: I think she's awesome. Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. She doesn't shy away. She's just like, that's, I think, when people gravitate towards her. They love her because she's just like, ah, and I don't care, bye. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for those of you who haven't been, you know, keeping up, um, this is a story that came out. Initially came out a couple of years ago when Chloe Bennett first hit the stage as a star of Agents of Shield, but it's the story of how she was born Chloe Wang. Her father is Chinese, and she had to change her name in order to get cast, because surprise, Hollywood may be a little racist.
0: Well, she wasn't getting that many opportunities yeah. to. So
1: audition. I guess I guess what happened was she got called out, <laughs> as people do on the internet, like, "Well, you, why did you change your name? Are you ashamed of being Chinese?" and then she went off like a clapback saying, you know,
0: she's so good at those. Like
1: I was I, I lived in China. I can speak Mandarin. Like there's nothing wrong. Like, I have, I see nothing wrong with me being Chinese. I changed my name because Hollywood is racist. Like straight up just said I changed my job. I changed my name because that's how I can get work. And now that I have work
0: and she said, yeah. "She's like, I'm using my platform, using everything I can to help make sure that nobody has to do that ever again." Yeah. And there has been change because, like, because she she'll be so audacious to speak her mind so freely and everything like that. That's what I was thinking honestly when I thought of Ki Hong. When I thought of Ki Hong Lee, I was like, "That's the most Asian name you can yeah. have," and he's doing perfectly fine, you know. Yeah. And it, it's thanks to that movement to her dealing with that and to. Not just silently sit by and be like, oh, yeah. And I mean, no.
1: changing your name, flat back, <laughs> changing your name to like get cast isn't a new thing. And it isn't restricted to just Asian Americans. I mean, oh, it's everybody. Charlie Sheen is Carlos Estevan. Um, is he? Yeah. Like, he, Emilio Estevan is his brother.
0: Yeah, Emilio their, Estevez.
1: Their family name is Estevan.
0: Esteve- Estevan? Estevan?
1: Estevez. Estevez. Yeah. yeah. What else? else? Well, how come um, he didn't change his John name? John Stewart's original name is John Liebowitz.
0: Oh, yeah. He got. He got yeah. Yeah, a lot um,
1: of grief for them. Woody Allen changed his name,
0: and yeah. I wonder. Okay, for me, like I would because thinking of your stage name, sometimes it would just be a privacy thing. Like I don't need you to know my, my real name. That's an option, but we know. Okay, it's just there's a lot of real. There's a lot of real issues out there that 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 it does the, your name suddenly alters your opportunity, and yeah, we're not ignorant to that. <laughs> But well done, Chloe.
1: Um, Speaking of names, um, congratulations to Young Ho Koo for making onto the fifty-three man roster at the Los Angeles Chargers as his new—that's
0: my dad's name. (laughs) His name's Young Ho. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm gonna Google him right now.
1: I think he's the fourth player um, who was born in Korea to play for the NFL.
0: Aw, he's adorable. Aw, he's a little baby. Go LA Chargers. I'll root for that.
1: <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, looking for, because the Chargers are, in case people don't know, they're my team. So I'm very excited to
0: Man. have an Asian American
1: on there. <laughs> no, but that's um, really cool. Yeah. And on that note, I guess that'll do it for this episode of the Clubcast. cast. Uh, um Thanks sweating. for hanging out <laughs> with me in this really, really hot room.
0: Now I'm like, I get it. I've been like ranting and going <laughs> off today. It's the heat. Um. So I know I'm going to take responsibility. I'm just...
1: again don't forget to send us your emails um, so we can have more to talk about during these just me and myself episodes um the the email address again is podcast at collaboration.org don't forget to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, google play um, spotify and wherever you find your podcasts um and if you listen to us on apple please leave us a review it really helps us out and we love to hear what you think about our podcast um, special thanks to Tim Atlas for using use of his song for our intro and outro for this month. And yeah, that'll do it. Thanks for listening to the collab cast. We will see y'all next week.
0: Bye, guys. <laughs>